Hear the word of our Lord from the book of Revelation, the 18th chapter, beginning in the first verse. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So as you probably guessed, I took last week off. Holy Week was super stinking busy, so I decided I'm going to just take care of the sermon for Sunday. Take the rest of the week off, even though I'm a restless guy, so of course I filled it up with other activities and then come back on Monday. Now during that time off, I decided I would catch up with the broader Lutheran world and see what they were up to. Mmm. Doesn't look good. Can't say I'm surprised, but it looks pretty darn bad. You see out there in social media, it seems some big names in the pastorate have started coordinating with who they are going to be arguing with online. And it is always, always right-wing Lutherans. Conservative, traditionalist, liturgical Lutherans. Arguing incessantly. Arguing deceptively. Throwing out all good principles of hermeneutics whenever these pastors bring up the Bible, they forget the text, how to interpret it, they forget what the Bible says plainly, and when confronted with it, they were doing their best to reinterpret the Word of God to fit modernist morality. Needless to say, again, I wasn't surprised, but I was dismayed. This is a new development. I've never seen the Lutheran Church act more like the Roman Catholic Church than I have in the past few months. It's ugly. But it bears stating something out loud. I've said it before, but we need to repeat it. In plain English. Ready? If your church hates you, leave. That's it. If your church hates you, leave. 
If your denomination is going after worldly morality or neoliberalism or liberal Christianity, leave. If your pastor is becoming a state church to the Babylon system of the world, leave. If your church hates you, leave. It's that simple. Now I can hear some objections and questions from the laity in my head right now. The first question is why? Why should I leave them? The answer to that is that you do not want to share in their sins. If they are abandoning God, if they are apostatizing away from the faith, don't share in it. Don't tithe to them. They take your tithe money, even if it's just the individual congregation. If you're not earmarking that, some of it's going to go to the big organizational superstructure that takes that money and does bad things with it. Don't contribute your dollars to that. Second, these organizational superstructures, the leadership, is going to take those roster numbers, say, look at how many people are still attending our churches, and feel emboldened to continue on in the path that they are continuing on. We would all like them very much to repent, right? And if they have zero wake-up calls, except for the occasional angry person online trying to get them to repent, they're not going to. They're going to say, this angry layman on Twitter is mad at me because he doesn't understand how educated I am as a pastor. He clearly doesn't understand rite vocatus from the Augsburg Confession and how this makes me God's anointed over my congregation. What a fool. I'll write an article about him at some point and have some of my more unsavory contacts take care of him. Yes, they really do think like that. These chancel-prancing dorks really do think that the rubes sitting in the pews have no right to question them whatsoever. They are basically Roman Catholic clergy from the 16th century, telling you, sit down, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not wearing the collar. I am. I'm right. You're wrong. I have never seen a single one of these guys be corrected and accept correction from a layman. They don't accept it. They never will. But what might open up their eyes is when somebody says, All right, I'm leaving. Bye. I'm going to set up a house church. Or I am going to go to this different church that is more legitimate. You don't have spiritual authority over me anymore. That's it. Bye. Bonus points if you get some people to join you in this. Oh yes, I can hear them already protesting. Oh, the very Lutheran project is schismatic and we're told to mark and avoid those who cause divisions among us in the book of Romans. I'm sure he's never read the book of Romans, especially not for an entire year. Oh my goodness, he's causing divisions. He's a divisive figure. This is evil. I'm sure at some point you'll hear somebody say that. And the irony is absolutely delicious. I'm a Lutheran. How did the Lutheran church get its start? Because a man said, Wow, this denominational body is very corrupt. It is teaching false doctrine. 
we better do church without it. And then they kick him out, of course. They threaten to kill him and everything. And he keeps doing church. And he keeps drawing people out of the Roman Catholic Church into Lutheran churches. And, of course, the Roman Catholic Church still holds that Martin Luther was the arch-divider of the Western Church. They can say that all they want, but we as Lutherans confess, yes, Luther quote-unquote divided the church by calling people to come out of her. Just as the angel does in Revelation 18, come out of her, my people. Every time a church decides it is going to act like Babylon, talk like Babylon, have Babylonian friends, submit to Babylonian morals, do everything in its power to do that, guess what? It looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it's quacking like a duck. Your church is another state church of Babylon. Leave. Come out of her. Do not share in her sins. That's where we are today in the 21st century. And yes, for 500 years, the Lutheran Church has confessed that the figure of mystery Babylon is in all likelihood the Roman Catholic Church. But that doesn't mean that there is no extension of the spirit of Babylon into every other denomination or any other body or group or institution in society going off of Babylon's cues. And guess what? We're seeing a whole heck of a lot of Babylonism in the modern established Lutheran churches, both liberal and quote-unquote conservative. Of course, I wouldn't be saying this if it was a situation where the leadership was squishy, but they tolerated strong voices from the laity and the lower clergy to say, no more of this. You need to hear us. We want to preach the word of God rightly divided, rightly understood. We want to be unapologetic, and we understand the world is going to hate us no matter what we do, so we might as well stand up for the truth. If that was the case, if we were in a situation where the leadership of these denominations said, yeah, you know, it's tough. I don't think they fully understand how hard we have it, but we need those voices. We would get in the most trouble for saying it out loud, but hey, you know what? We're going to support these guys that are saying it out in other venues. Okay, I would not be telling you to leave your church and set up a new one or find a better one. I would not be saying that. Instead, though, what has happened? In the past few months, we have learned that the vast majority of Lutheran leadership holds the laity in nothing but contempt. And that's the best construction I can come up with here. They don't think you have a right to read the Bible on your own. They think you shouldn't question them. They believe you really should just follow along with literally anything your pastor says, and he's not accountable to his congregation. And if you dare to question them, then that contempt becomes outright open, ugly hostility, to the point where they are willing to violate what Scripture tells us to do in terms of church discipline, and to violate their own church's constitutions and procedures in order to squish you for questioning them, for saying something they don't like. 
And then the leadership that these guys do answer to takes it upon themselves to make national statements urging you and everybody that thinks like you to be excommunicated. Of course, with just a little bit of a nod to these extrajudicial means of getting that done. So again, if your church hates you, leave. This is incredibly important to understand. These people are not your friends. They are not in spiritual authority over you. I believe that they have forfeited any sort of spiritual authority over you as a congregant. And I earnestly wish that these guys would repent because, well, Jesus doesn't exactly say nice things about them. Here's from Matthew chapter 24, beginning in the 36th verse. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. These men do not fear God. They're pulling a bunch of dirty tricks, doing a bunch of mafia-esque coordination to do this stuff, but it gets even worse than just them not being fearful of our Lord Christ, who will come one day to judge them for their actions. It's even worse because our Lord Christ seems to identify these guys in the following verses from verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions." Great, so there are good pastors over there, good under-shepherds, servants, who are there in charge of helping the house of God. That's not these guys. These guys start in verse 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now who did Jesus call hypocrites? Pharisees, scribes, all the religious authorities in his day. Our Lord Christ in his prophecy about his return says there are going to be people with religious authority in the house of God abusing, misusing their power, hanging out with the drunkards of the world, and they are going to be cut in pieces and tossed where the hypocrites are. <laughs> That's terrible. I don't want that happening to these guys. Something's got to open their eyes to how bad they've been acting and how ugly they are. How the world looks at them and goes, 
Wow, so you agree with me on everything, but oh boy, I don't want to get on your bad side. I earnestly hope that something wakes these guys up. And if it takes a lot of people saying, okay, you have contempt for me at best, or hatred for me at worst, I'm leaving. I'm either going to go to the Very Lutheran Project and set up a house church, or I'm going to find a better church with a better pastor and a better uh, Lutheran denomination, and I'm going to go put my resources and time into that instead. Maybe that will wake these guys up. Maybe. We hope so. But you don't have a reason to stay, and don't listen to their rhetoric in urging you to stay. They are spiritual child abusers. If they say, what about the, the body? What about the family of Christ that you're threatening to tear asunder? Well, I have a question for you about that. Since it's a family, right? If a husband is beating his wife every day, do you tell her to stay? If a child is neglected to the point of near starvation, is it immoral for that child to go seek food somewhere else? Do we tell families this? Do we tell abuse victims that their abusers, you know, you really should stay with them because after all, I mean, look at the union that you've had and you really need to just keep that together for its own sake. Would you tell that to an abuse victim? No. So I'm not going to say that to the victims of spiritual child abuse, to the flock of Christ being abused by the under-shepherds. Leave. <laughs> for your own sake, for your sanity's sake, if they're doing this to you, get out. Come out of her. Now, in the past, I have defined spiritual child abuse as when the church loves the world more than the faithful, when they love non-believers more than believers, when they read verses that say bear one another's burdens and just conveniently forget that. But the open contempt for the laity is a result of and a manifestation for that. If you neglect your child because you're a piece of garbage child abuser and your child says, may I have some food, then you are going to be annoyed by that. You're going to be angry about that. How dare that spoiled entitled brat ask for a single thing from me? After all, I put a roof over their head. They shouldn't ask for new shoes even though they've been going barefoot to school. I don't care. That's where we are. And in the midst of all these debates and arguments that I saw last week, there was maybe one or two in the clergy that showed any grace to the laity that were questioning them. And even then, they were playing word games instead of talking to people straight. It was shameful. Everybody else, they were willing to condemn and squish and attack and do all sorts of polemics and whatever. They were incapable of turning the other cheek, I guess. And also they were spiking the football about the scalps that they've collected, about the guys who have been excommunicated. They were so happy with themselves over those things. And even members that weren't in specific Lutheran bodies involved with those excommunications, they were laughing about it and rubbing it in people's faces. Uh, okay, 
So much for the uh, requirement to be uh, gentle as a pastor, to be civil, to do the right thing, uh, to maybe be a little bit more spiritually mature than the people who are coming after you. Um, not seeing that from these guys, but of course not. After all, why would they show that kind of respect to people that they have such contempt for and probably also just hate with white-hot rage? So, my response to that, as always, if your church hates you, leave. And I'm here to provide you with resources if you decide to take me up on that. Here to support you. And by all means, if anybody wants to come at me with questions and attacks, if anybody in the laity wants to bring something up or throw something in my face or they're mad at me or they have a disagreement, I can promise you I'm not going to do what these guys are doing. I'm just going to have a conversation with you. I'm going to laugh off something if it's worded a little harshly from you. And we can try to work through it. You know, like a good pastor should. <laughs> I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, guys. I'm just trying to say that I'm willing to learn from their mistakes as they're committing them. But next week we'll cover a little bit more of a fun topic, something that's not so dour. Hopefully we can enjoy it then. But until then, I'll catch y'all next week. Amen and amen.